The following podcast contains spoilers and words such as done and bother. Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Greetings, podcast land. Thanks for joining us here at We Watched a Thing. Um, as always, I'm Tofa and I'm joined by Billy. As, as always. As I'm always. Not, I'm not sure the listeners will recognise your voice, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> How the hell have you been? It's been, we have not recorded together in, geez, three months, three and a half months. What have you been up to? How have you been? Oh, just taking it easy, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just Life's very living relaxing. your best life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Just hanging out by the pool, having some cocktails and stuff, are you? <laughs> That's it. My babies look after themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how is your beautiful little baby? She's good. She, uh, she sleeps like an absolute trooper. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. I can only assume uh, bad parenting by everyone else. <laughs> obviously, obviously, <laughs> it's so good to hear your voice again. I've I've missed recording with you. Like the, having some guests on has been some good fun, but it, there's nothing like chatting with you, mate. I mean, I know who you've had on, and um, <laughs> just some real duds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming you're specifically talking about Sam there. <laughs> specifically, specifically. <laughs> Uh, we this is actually the second time this week we've recorded together because we did do a little guest spot on movie reviews and twenty Qs, which some listeners may have already heard. I believe that dropped yesterday, so that is actually your return to podcasting. Yeah, part of our film bro Fincher week. Yes, that's right. Talking about seven, so go check that out. Uh, and we're also going to be on the Movie Journey podcast. I'm not sure when. I'm guessing maybe this week or next week. Doing another pod v pod. So keep an ear out for that as well. It's like I never left. Not that I left you, Billy. Not that I left you. Well, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I thought be- about it. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, we're recording this one. I don't know what's happening next week. Will you be back next week? <laughs> I guarantee nothing. <laughs> well, at least we have you here. And what are we talking about today, mate? Uh, the aforementioned David Fincher, his new film, thanks to Netflix, Mank. That's right. We are talking about Mank, which is a 2020 American biographical drama film about writer Herman J. Mankiewicz, directed by, as you said, David Fincher, based on a script written by his dad, Jack Fincher. And it stars Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Arliss Howard, Tom Pelfrey, Sam Troughton, Ferdinand Kingsley, Tuppence Middleton, Tom Burke, Joseph Cross, Jamie McShane, Toby Leonard Moore, Monica Gossman and Charles Dance. Oh, big Charlie Dance. The Alpha Lannister himself. <laughs> uh, and what is it about, Tove? Well, I think you kind of said it. It's about Herman Mankiewicz. Ba- basically, basically. Uh, the mo- like, the movie, as it's sold, would have you believe it's about the writing of Citizen Kane. And it is, to a degree. Though, you wouldn't say, like, that's not really... That's under 50% of the focus of the film, really. Absolutely. And I think... I did not expect this going in. I really thought that this was going to be more of a a story about, as you say, the writing of Citizen Kane, which it it really kind of isn't. It's it's about kind of old Hollywood, and realistically, I I guess what it's trying to do is show you about the precursor to writing Citizen Kane, where the inspiration came from. I guess is is what the movie really is trying to do. But as you touched on, like it's also it's it's as much a portrait of Hollywood as it is a portrait of. It's main character. Absolutely. And how, and how one affects the other. Yes. So, let's get into it. You are a giant Fincher fan, obviously. True. And Fincher hasn't made a film in, what is it now, eight years? Six, six years ago six, it was Gone Six Girl. years. Yeah, wow. Crazy. Um, 
you obviously were very keen to this. You, you got out there. We were lucky to get this in cinemas about two weeks before it goes to streaming. I think it goes to streaming tomorrow for you listeners. So you obviously went opening weekend. You were pumped. How did you feel about it? Well, look, I was. Um, it was the first time we had a babysitter, so I was. Have, <laughs> I was pumped, man. I was having a ball. <laughs> Some people, yeah, some people have that, you know, first time they're away from the baby, they're like constantly, oh, what's going on? Checking the phone. Um, I was not. Yeah. <laughs> Either because I'm a bad parent or because um, I had, to, uh, you know, I had David Fincher. And so that's where my attention was. <laughs> um, straight away, just before we get any further, Billy. Yeah. I, ju- I just need to do this. Okay. Um, straight off the bat, I need to talk to you about the score. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's do. Not it. really, though. I just want to ask you about whether you think Netflix got value for money out of paying Hans Zimmer <laughs> to do them up a new um, opening Netflix theme for the cinema. Oh, did they? Exactly. Did they? <laughs> is that is that true? That's true. The new. Did, I don't know. Did you notice that the music when the end came up was I was any different than it would normally did be? Not notice. No. Yeah. Uh, it's new. I, if I, I like Zimmer must have been paid. I reckon what decent six figures. Oh fuck! Just throwing money into the wind. Netflix having a blast. It's like a three second, probably less. Usually, it's just a like a like one note. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit longer than that now. Um, okay, I didn't notice. But yeah, good for you, Netflix. Is that exclusive for for cinema or will yeah. that? Okay, so that so when this movie drops to streaming tomorrow, it'll have a different end sound that's not Ham Zimmer. That is my belief. Wow. That those of us who got the cinema experience of Mank also get the cinema experience of Hans Zimmer's Netflix theme. And if you don't get that, you're not missing out on much. <laughs> well, I didn't even notice it. Just in it. case anyone was worried. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I had no idea. Yeah. Um... Anyway, back to the, back to the film. Look, obviously, there's there's an added burden of expectation when you go into a Fincher film, like whether it's a Scorsese film or whether yeah, it's a, yeah. if you like us, a Star Wars film yeah. or something. So you go in both with and like with those things, you go in both excited and with a bar that is higher than it might otherwise be for just insert movie. Agreed. Yep. And watching this film. I like I had a good time watching this film. I I, I totally enjoyed myself. Um, certainly didn't feel overwhelmed by the experience. And in the last two, it's about two weeks since I saw it. Over the past two weeks, just my opinion of the film has grown. When I just think about what Fincher was going for and how he did it, absolutely, I agree. When I first walked out, I'm not going to say I was disappointed, but I walked out thinking, okay, that was good, but not great. Yeah, certainly didn't walk out thinking, well, that's on Fincher's Mount Rushmore. Yes, yes. And now now it's been, I've given it a little time and and I have found myself still thinking about the film, you know? And like, we, we both like Citizen Kane. I, you love Citizen Kane. And I, like, this movie did make me want to read more and research more. And I, I love a movie that does that. I, I have some quibbles with the, the truthfulness of it, I guess, which we can get into later. But um, overall, yeah, I agree. My opinion has grown. I do feel like the movie is kind of double burdened because not only is it under the burden of being a Fincher film, it's under the burden of being about one of the greatest films of all time, ostensibly. 
So, and and I did rewatch Citizen Kane this morning, and I have to say, as much as I love Fincher, that that I think is how you know what a good director Orson Welles was. Is that I think that rewatching Citizen Kane after watching Mank made Mank look boring. I, I I don't think it is Fincher's stylish film. I will say. So you you may well know this, but for anyone who doesn't, Fincher first looked at. Like you mentioned, this is a the screenplay is by Fincher's old man. Fincher first tried to get this film made in the nineties. Yes, I think it's probably to the film's benefit that he didn't get it made then, because, and this this may be wrong, but I imagine that a younger, arguably hungrier Fincher does he have the same restraint as he does now? Because he's such a stylish filmmaker that back in the nineties. Does it feel more finchery than what he does in this film, which is yeah. to just pull back and be like, all right, not only is this going to be... Because when talking about the look of this film, to talk about the fact that it's black and white is is really just scratching the surface yeah. of the style of the film. Because as we talked about with the remake of Suspiria, this film is... You could have shot it with equipment used in the 30s and 40s. I agree, which, to, to be honest, is part of my problem with it that they didn't. I, th- I think there's a lot of about the presentation. Obviously, not only is it black and white, it was actually filmed in black and white. There's no color version of this film. Having said that, though, it was filmed on red cameras. So it was digital, but it was just filmed in monochrome from the beginning. Yeah, it was shot. I think it was shot with the the 8K. It was, yeah, the red, red 8K and then monochrome. They just, yeah. And then they just like slapped the image around. In post-production yes. until it had degraded enough to a point where they're like, yes, this is what we want. But here's part of my beef with it. I kind of wish that they had just leaned right in and shot on film because film stock does have its own, you know, and even there are, there are various kind of film stocks that, you know, some lean more into blues, some are kind of darker and grainier. Like, I kind of wish that they had just leaned right into that and gone film. Like, if there's ever a reason these days to shoot on film instead of digital, I feel like this film was it. And I'm a bit sad they didn't. Because I do think you can tell that it's been digitally slapped around. Like, there are times where you see little film burns pop up, and it's like the exact same film burn used, like, two or three times. And I'm like, yeah. Which is kind of its own fun little Fincher joke with Fight Club. Yeah, I just kind of wish that they had leaned right into that because there is, you know, like the audio is presented. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's completely mono mix, like the dialogue, the um, the score, everything is all on one track, which is really actually lovely. And I have my, for the first two or three minutes in the cinema, I actually found it a little distracting because I found the dialogue a little muffled. You, you get used to that fairly quickly, I think. It, you do notice it right from the off, don't you? The first you time that they're- um, where one of Manx's handlers is speaking and it's like, yes. oh, wow, that really does sound different. That's right, yeah. And I think that's lovely. And the beautiful score by Trent Reznor, which is, this really shows his versatility, I think. If anyone thought that, like, his previous scores were, were flukes or that he's, you know, like, this score is all done using period authentic instruments and it's it's really gorgeous. It Like, the whole movie feels, like I think you said earlier, like the 40s. I suppose one of the one of the reasons for, and this is probably a good reason in terms of letting the production just happen how it wants to happen, is that shooting on film the way that David Fincher shoots 
Yeah. I mean, what a fucking nightmare. Can That's you imagine true. doing- There are take, 200 scenes takes. <laughs> there are scenes in this film where they literally did more than 100 takes. Yeah. Which, yeah. at least on digital, Fincher can just do Fincher. That's true, rather than having to spend millions of dollars on, on unused film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the remaining film- in the United States, <laughs> yeah. just ship it over to Fincher. Yeah, look, that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I just think on the look of the film, like, yes, it captures the, the essence of the 40s very well, but it looks more, I think, like standard films of the 40s than it does like Citizen Kane, I think, which is maybe, maybe that's a choice. Maybe that's how it was intended. But I think it's lacking on the cinematography, which I think is very nice. It's missing a lot of the depth in lighting, I think, that, that Wells really used on Kane, I think. When Fincher did initially want to make this film in the 90s, one of the big stumbling blocks was that he wanted to do a black and white. Yeah. Always from the beginning and didn't have the, the clout to bend a studio to his will like he does now where Netflix come to him much as RKO went to Wells and said, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want a fun bit of gossip? Yeah. David Fincher and Gary Oldman share an ex-wife. Really? Their, ki- their kids are related. They're wiener cousins. Isn't that fun? I had no idea. Who's the ex-wife? I, I don't know her name. Um, <laughs> I get the impression that both breakups were not the happiest things ever because apparently Gary Oldman asked David Fincher if she was the inspiration for Amy. <laughs> In Gone Girl. That's funny. <laughs> so there you go. Right. Um, surprising surprising in this film that, that Hurst ultimately is not the villain of the piece, which going in was my expectation. I was like, so is Hurst going to be a stand-in for, for instance, Murdoch? Yes, yes, yep. If the script had gone on, and I'm sure there were some rewrites, on, like, you'd put money on. There must have been rewrites on the script over the past 30 years. Yes. But if there'd been really significant ones, you wonder if it tailors it more to 2020 and whether Hearst is more of a stand-in for Murdoch or anybody else. So I think there's, there's a way to make the film more immediate feeling by doing that, but probably by not doing that, it makes the film a bit more timeless, possibly. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm i going to come out and say something here. I think that the script is the weakest part of the film. I think that Finch's filmmaking and the acting is really outstanding. I think the screenplay has moments of greatness, but I think overall it's a little flat for me. And I'm probably alone there. And you're right. I feel like it it definitely had rewrites. I was reading that apparently the earliest version of this script was even more kind of anti-Wells and even more like, look how great Mank made this movie. And and apparently there, there was a lot of controversy about that because Jack Fincher based the entire screenplay off this 1971 article that basically posited that Orson Welles had nothing to do with the writing of the film. Mm. And there was a bit of controversy around that and that article has since been completely disregarded. So there have been rewrites, they said, to make it less anti-Wells, but I didn't really feel that. This is a this this film Wells is barely a part of this film, really. If yeah, at the, if at the end of the film you were asked who would you rather go have a drink with, Hurst or Wells? Yeah. 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 Maybe Hurst? Yeah. And I I wish that it had gone more into the relationship between Mank and 
and Wells, because my understanding is that, that that's actually a pretty interesting relationship. And they had been collaborating on screenplays earlier than Citizen Kane. They had been working together for months on this. When he went to the ranch, he had 300 pages of notes with him that Wells had written. And he wrote his draft at the ranch while Wells was writing his own draft. And then Wells kind of took both of them and mushed them together is kind of one version of the story. This this is very much, Mank wrote this film, look at this. <laughs> Um, which is fine. Like that's, that's the side it wants to take and that's cool. But I I just found that there were moments of the screenplay that were a little bit flat for me. I think, I think it could have done with a a little bit more rewriting, I think. And it's obvious there wasn't much rewriting because otherwise Jack Fincer wouldn't still have sole credit after being dead for 16 years. One thing I really like about the shooting is the way that Fincher stages a lot of these scenes where he's not moving the camera in a way that he might normally he can still manage to just inject energy into these scenes by moving people yeah. around in shot. The way that I suppose when when camera setups were the size of a phone booth, <laughs> yeah, you had to do that. I'm thinking of like, you know, when they first walk into the writer's room, yep. there's still a lot of energy in that shot. And I just, I, I remember watching that scene and just thinking about how long did it take to figure out where everyone needs to be and what time and to drill it into everyone to actually execute it that way. And it's not a flashy scene, but I bet it was a serious task to actually record that scene. Yeah, true. And there are some beautiful scenes. This I, re- I love the chemistry between Oldman as Mank and Amanda Seyfried as Marion Davies. The scene where they leave the party and they're having a drink and just walking around the estate together is so beautifully shot and constructed, I think. I mean, that's the heart of the movie, really, isn't it? That relationship. It is, yeah, definitely. Th- this, yes, absolutely. Of so many people who are intentionally uh, depicted in as being subpar humans. Um, yeah. Because even, you know, one of the studio heads, Mayer, he comes out of this looking, again, of the people who come out looking worse than Hearst, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Is certainly Mayer of... The, the the last M in MGM. Yes. Um, absolute flog. <laughs> and yeah. I imagine this is like how gleeful it must have been for Fincher, who has had a an at times torrid relationship with studios. Yeah. To just be like, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she comes off very well, given that, you know, in Citizen Kane itself, the character based on her kind of comes across as as a little bit talentless. Um, they really show here how how charming she was. And I was reading that part of the reason that her and Mank bonded, that they bonded over alcoholism, basically. <laughs> um, just kind of like you and many of your friends. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just think that she comes across so well and, and Amanda Seyfried plays her perfectly i I don't think there's a bad member of this cast actually um but man i mean i really really need to shout out and he doesn't have many scenes i mean really at all he's in jesus what two three scenes but tom burke as orson wells is pitch fucking perfect like he looks like him he sounds like him but it doesn't come across as an imitation he's he's brilliant in the few scenes that he's in the thing i really like about not using Wells that much in the film is that because he is this kind of mythical figure. Yeah. If he's there all the time, he becomes just a person. That's true. Yeah. 
but there is like that that relationship is but like the the Mank Wells relationship is is fun. Just this kind of balance of a the Wunderkind, you know, setting out to make this masterpiece at the beginning of his career, whereas his other guy is setting up this masterpiece at the end of his career. Yeah, there is there's certainly a lot there to play with. So while like I don't necessarily want more Wells in the film, you can imagine it could be done and done really well. Yeah, I agree. And but that's that, not but that's not what the movie is. That's so. the thing. It's not the story it's telling, but it is the story that I guess I was set up to believe it was telling. I, like when I walked in there, my assumption was it was it was a movie about the writing of Citizen Kane. So yeah, I was expecting more of that that play between Wells and Mank, which I, as you said, I think that's a really interesting story. But it yeah. isn't this story, and it, it has been, and that's why I think. The movie has gone up in my estimation since I saw it because when I walked out, I was like, yeah, that's not what I thought it was going to be. But over time, I've come to appreciate what it actually was. Tough to come up with um, two hours of content on writing a script. Well, yeah. <laughs> I <have> thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love the structure of the film, though, and obviously playing on that nonlinear storytelling, you know, from Citizen Kane, the- the device of, you know, the script coming up showing flashback. Um, yeah, yeah. Big fan of that. And I think that the structure, you know, even though it jumps around, it's never hard to follow. Um, it's it's always clear as to what the purpose of each flashback is. Like, and it, it's not like it's showing you the building of the story, but in some ways it is. And yeah, I, I do appreciate that. So, Tuppence Middleton in the film, who was younger than me, is married to Gary Oldman, <laughs> who's older than me. Who's, whose name is literally old old man. <laughs> like, he is an old. I was man. like, I was like, is this, if this is like a Fincher joke, it is <laughs> sensational. Or is it is is it a comment on Hollywood, both old and current? Or is it just Hollywood being Hollywood? <laughs> well, here's the thing, though how how old is Oldman in real life? Significantly older than Mank is. Well, because that's the thing. Mank is, is, he says it, he's 41, 42. Um, and that is, you know, really in, in the back end when it, in most of the flashbacks, he'd be in his 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. crazy to you think about. You can tell Gary that it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, he's, he's a real booze hound. <laughs> Can I just say that I really like Jamie McShane as an actor. Every time I see him, I think he's good. Um, he's good in this film. Um, in this film, he is the kind of lead of a little side plot. Um, don't need it. Thanks, film. Yeah, I I agree with that. The entire and it's funny. I I don't love the entire political side plot, which really is is I mean, let's it's barely a side plot. Actually, it's it's. It's a big part of it, the plot. It's, it's a big part of the plot. I didn't love it. I guess it it makes sense. Citizen Kane is a very political movie, and I guess it's trying to show really what set Mank up to write this script. You know, like really the politics are what the film posits, what kind of got him angry, I guess. My understanding is that's not very truthful. He he actually wasn't a Sinclair supporter. <laughs> so, yeah, which is is fine. Again, like, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do and you're going to tell your story. But I I just, I don't know. I, I personally didn't love that entire plot of the film. I do have this thing in my head. I'm like, is, is, it, is it raging genius that this film, like, it's not like this film goes off the rails with that plot. But it is, you know, it is kind of a bit meandering at that point, yeah. arguably. It loses a bit of momentum. 
And you could say the same thing about Citizen Kane. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's <laughs> so, totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it is it that that bit of the film doesn't keep your attention that well and just because it's not that strong? Or is it this genius move of holding up a mirror? I'm not sure. Because, <laughs> yeah, I much would have rather continued to focus on the relationship between him and, and Hurst and Marion and, and that kind of stuff. You know, focus a little bit more on his relationship with the studio and with his brother without bringing the politics into it because, yeah, it just it wasn't that interesting. And as you say, it kind of culminates in the side plot of the guy topping himself, you know, due to kind of like, look at this monster I've created, which while, while fair, I think it, it, it's funny how much that does kind of play into current times. Um, but I, yeah, I just didn't need it. So, we, you know, we've mentioned it. This is a Netflix film. Most people who see this film are going to see it at home with their phones probably turned on next to them and possibly kids running around, who knows what else. Yeah. Good, good or bad thing that this is how- that Netflix got this film made. Um, good, good that it got made. Good that it got made. Fincher has become a bit of an not an advocate for Netflix, but I guess you know, as we said, he hasn't made a film in six years. He's helped out with a couple of Netflix series in that time, and has now signed an exclusivity deal. Yeah. So I mean, look, it's it's a great get for Netflix. Do I think it may be a loss for the public? Yes. <laughs> you know, I think in the future. Let's think like a year or two from now. The next film that Fincher makes for Netflix may still get a decent release at theatres. It's a shame that in these current times, yes, this did come to some theatres, but not many around the world when you think about it. And and we're you know, lucky that we live in a part of the world where we can go to the cinema. At exactly. The but even, even here, it's only exclusively paying it at one of our cinemas. There would be some, you know, even Australia-wide where there are cinemas open, there would be some cities or towns that wouldn't get this. And I do think that's a shame because I loved the experience of seeing this on the big screen and I adore cinemas. So, yeah, great get for Netflix. I don't think it's- Great for the public, but I mean, who knows? A year from now, cinemas might not even exist. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm like you. I love the cinema experience. Um, ultimately, I think with with the relationship between Fincher and Netflix, it's I probably have to just tell myself, don't let the good get in the way of the ideal. Yeah. Like, do I want David Fincher films? Yes, I do. If this is how I'm going to get them, well, then fine. Yeah, I feel a bit the same way. I've seen some pretty bloody good films this year. <laughs> And I've seen some come from streaming services. In some ways, maybe streaming is the future. <laughs> I don't think we need to have the in some ways. Yeah, well, yeah, true. But I, I like, yeah, that said, I'm going to miss cinemas for sure. That They're yes. my escape. Like, you know, and even just look at the show. Part of the reason that you were able to do this movie is because you saw it in the cinemas and were able to escape from- you know, at home where you can't focus on a movie. That's true. <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of people like that. Like, for me, the movies aren't just an escape, you know, like they are for everyone. That They are that place where I can sit and think. <laughs> so, um, let's talk Oscars then. Yep. What do you- do you see this being nominated in every category? <laughs> if not every, a lot. Yeah. Um, I see particularly, you know, we know that Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. I think this has a pretty bloody good chance at Best Picture. Let's say quite possibly three acting nominations. Fincher will get a 
nomination for directing, best picture, score, editing because it goes back and forth and they love that. Yeah. It's getting a lot. Yeah, and I think it has an extremely good chance at winning a lot. Yeah, like you said, they they fucking love movies about movies. Yep. So we've still got, you know, another two, three months or so of, of releases to come. So I guess we'll see what else pops up. But I think that at, as it currently stands, this movie has very high shots at winning quite a few, which this could be the year that Netflix take home best picture. <laughs> it could. There's things, there's things coming, which like I remember hearing about them when they were at like whatever film festival they were at. Yeah. And so there's films out there that I know people who have seen them absolutely love but they're not out there yet. So I suspect there is serious competition coming for Mank, but at the moment it's the one that's out there and it's on Netflix so everyone can see it. The big question will be how much do the Oscars keep up this this feud with Netflix? <laughs> yes, who's going to be the William Randolph Hearst and just and just garbage this thing? Yeah. Yeah, who's going to put out the newsreels saying fuck Netflix? Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> can I just can I tell you a funny little funny little story happened to me? Kind of funny. <laughs> um, we watched um, Citizen Kane at home a week or two before Mank came out, um, and it was when it was post polling day in the states, but before it had been called. And so we're just there watching Citizen Kane as someone holds up the newspaper when Hearst loses, saying fraud at the polls. <laughs> And it was the funniest slash saddest thing <laughs> that I've seen in a long time. More, more. Fu- I, it was more on the funny side. I think, I, like, I literally just burst out laughing. I was like, you know, we think we think all of our problems are so modern yeah. and everything, and they're not. Um, okay, so all in all, how are you scoring, Mank? As I said, my opinion of the film. Um, has gone up since I saw it, and uh, like I started off liking it, I now really, really like it. Um, I don't think it's not like on Finch's podium for me, but Finch's podium is some pretty rarefied air. Um, so I'm still an eight out of ten for it. I think it's very good. Yeah, cool. I just saw it yesterday. At the moment, I'm a seven, but I will rewatch it probably tomorrow when it when it drops on streaming. And I yeah, I'm I much the same feel that it will go up with subsequent viewings. I, like there's a lot to like about this movie. If you're the kind of person like like we are, if just really good production tickles you, yes, that alone is reason to watch this film. Just watching a master at work is for me. Very enjoyable. I agree. And this is where I wonder where the film might fall down. I was expecting, obviously, that you would like it. I was expecting that I would like it. I wonder how the average film goer will feel about this movie. I forgot to tell you, my cinema was quite empty. There were six people. Two people walked out halfway through the movie, didn't come back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they left about 55 minutes in. So, just before halfway, didn't come back. So, Well, again, yeah, like, like Citizen Kane. It's not something you just that a casual movie fan just throws right. for something to watch on a Sunday Arvo. That's right. So I'm expecting critic scores to remain good. I'm expecting it to get a lot of Oscar play, given that you know Hollywood loves Hollywood. I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's gonna. There may even be a lot of Fincher fans who don't end up enjoying this one. Like if you're a fan of Fincher's kind of thrillers, this isn't. This isn't that. <laughs> um, next week. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to make any promises if you'll be back. We will be doing a Christmas episode dropping Christmas Eve, though. Home Alone. (laughs) Yes. So, all right. 
We'll get back to you on what next week is. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie. So so you're in the car? <laughs> I'm in the car. We'll see how we go. <laughs> How bad can it be? Got to be better than our first ever episode, right? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's right. For that, we were sharing a lapel. <laughs> In the basement. <laughs> with with the water running over the pipes. <laughs> can you believe that was three years ago, two weeks ago? Wow. Yeah, it was like the 20th of November. That's insane. What did we do to mark the occasion? Nothing. (laughs) What we did was had a guest on the show because you didn't want to record with me. Yeah, I was like Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. (laughs) I've abandoned my child! You could watch it on on times two speed like I did with Citizen Kane this morning. (laughs) I cannot believe you're putting that out into the world, that information. Dude, that is some shameful shit. No, here's the thing. I've seen it before, guys. This wasn't my first viewing or anything. I've seen it before. I just wanted to refresh myself. And what I really wanted to refresh myself on was the look of the film. So I felt justified with that. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, you'll have to answer to God, not me. (laughs) 